We turn in God's Word this morning to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 12. 1 Kings, chapter 12. And we'll be reading verses 1 through 24 this morning. And then this evening, we're going to pick it up at verse 25 uh, into chapter 13. We begin uh, our summer series on uh, that alphabetical listing of folks that we find in Scripture. We have made our way up to uh, the letters Q and R. Uh, individual whose names begin with Q didn't work out real well for graduation Sunday. So uh, as we think and reflect upon that. So he'll come. Uh, that, that will be there. But uh, for this morning, it's Rehoboam. 1 Kings 12. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. And as soon as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard of it, for he was still in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon, there Jeroboam returned from Egypt, and they sent and called him. And Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and said to Rehoboam, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us, And we will serve you. He said to them, go away for three days, then come again to me. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon his father while he was yet alive, saying, how do you advise me to answer these people? They said to him, if you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. But he abandoned the counsel of the old men that the old men gave him and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. And he said to them, what do you advise that we answer this people who have said to me, lighten the yoke that your father put on us? And the young men who had grown up with him and said to them, thus shall you speak to this people who said to you, your father made our yoke heavy. But you lighten it for us. Thus shall you say to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day. And the king said, Come to me again. As the king said, Come to me again the third day. The king answered the people harshly, and forsaking the counsel of the old men had given him, he spoke to them according to the counsel of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord that he might fulfill his word, which the Lord spoke by Ahijah, the Shilonite, to Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. And when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, What portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel, look now to your own house, David. So Israel went to their tents, but Rehoboam reigned over the people of Israel who lived in the cities of Judah. Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was taskmaster over the forced labor. And all Israel stoned him to death with stones. 
And King Rehoboam hurried to mount his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. And when all Israel heard that Jeroboam had returned, they sent and called him to the assembly and made him king over all Israel. There was none that followed the house of David but the tribe of Judah only. When Rehoboam came to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin, 180,000 chosen warriors to fight against the house of Israel, to restore the kingdom to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. But the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah, the man of God, say to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all the house of Judah and Benjamin, and to the rest of the people, thus says the Lord, you shall not go up and fight against your relatives, the people of Israel. Every man return to his home, for this thing is from me. So they listened to the word of the Lord and went home again, according to the word of the Lord. Let's again bow in prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, in the song that we just sang, it talks about a pilgrim, pilgrimage through this barren land, and that I am weak, but thou art mighty, and that you hold me in thy stream, doth love. And Lord, that's the prayer that we give to this morning. We see how wicked and evil this world is, and we realize that only by your strength can we make it through and manage to not only survive, but also to be a witness to you. So we pray that the words that Pastor Bob speaks to us today will be clear, that you will give him wisdom, that you will give him clarity of mind, and that the words will sink into our hearts and give us the armor that we need to deal with this world on a day-to-day basis. We just ask these things not because we're worthy, but we ask them in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen. So three things from this passage this morning. First of all, the context. Secondly, the consideration. Thirdly, the confrontation. The bulk of what we deal with is in point two, the consideration that Rehoboam has before him. But it's important to establish the context. First of all, this man Rehoboam is the son of Solomon. That has its benefits and that has its problems. Being the son of Solomon meant you were brought up with a pretty easy life. Solomon is very wise. Solomon is very wealthy. Solomon lives during a time and reigns during a time of great peace, of great advancement of the nation of the kingdom of Israel. There were a lot of benefits. There were a lot of good things that Rehoboam experienced as a result of the fact of being Solomon's son. But there were also problems. Obviously, we know the multiple wives that Solomon had, and so one wonders about the family dynamics and the family situation and all that is going on there, not only the multiple wives, but also the concubines. But that also led to multiple gods and the worship of many, many gods. So on the one hand, we have during his lifetime, uh, Rehoboam would have been seeing the majestic temple that his father had constructed for the glory and for the worship of God. At the same time, there are temples being built and places of worship being built in the latter part of Solomon's life that are for the worship of pagan gods. He's raised in a very confusing household. 
blessing, good things, but yet on the other hand, there are also all of these problems. He is also of the tribe of Judah. That is repeated for us several times here. And the reason it's repeated is because God wants us to know this is the tribe of Judah. He is a descendant of David. And there is a continuing promise that God has made to David that his sons, his descendants, shall always sit upon the throne. Well, at least they're going to sit upon a partial throne. And that's the tribe of Judah. Judah has long been thought, the tribe, as the chief tribe, as perhaps the, the, the most significant of the tribe. It's the ruler tribe. Ever since Jacob, back there at the end of the book of Genesis, pronounced a blessing upon Judah that gave to Judah and the tribe of Judah the leadership position of Israel, Judah has been looked to for that leadership that was given to them, and we can't leave this part out, because of Judah's willingness to give of himself and of his own family to spare the rest of his brothers. All of that during that time of going back and forth under Joseph. It's Judah who finally steps forward and says, okay, If somebody's got to take the blame for something going wrong, I'll take the blame. If somebody has to sacrifice for the good of the whole, I am willing to do so. Jacob, on his deathbed, remembers that which Judah has done. And because of that, he is given a leadership position. It is not for any old reason that Jesus in the Gospel of Mark says, I have not come to be served, but to serve. He too is of the tribe of Judah. He too is the one who is to be king. This all sets the background of this is the way Rehoboam should have approached the problem. This is how Rehoboam should have approached the question that he was asked. He should have approached it looking back upon his ancestors, looking back upon Judah, and recognizing Judah's willingness to lay down his own life for the sake of his brothers, even as we see so beautifully displayed in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ later. He is the son of Solomon. He is of the tribe of Judah. What else is the context? He's asked to lighten the yoke. That's that that piece of equipment that is put upon the, the backs of oxen in order that they might be worked, in order that they might toil, in order that they might serve as the tractors of that day. And what the people are saying is that the yoke that Solomon, the burden that Solomon placed upon them was a heavy yoke. What do they mean by that? They're they're not walking around with yokes on their backs. No, what they mean by that is this. Solomon had conscripted laborers for all of his many building projects, which at the onset included the temple. Eh, 
probably everybody's like, okay, we get it. But then it became, as well, his palace. And then it became palaces for all of his wives. And then it became lodgings for all of his children. And then it became all of these places for his horses. And then it became more and more and more, including temples for these other gods. All of which was born on the backs of the people of Israel. But it's not only labor, it's also taxes. So there is labor and taxes. You have to devote time and you have to give of your income. And the burden was heavy. All of that was not cheap. The luxury that Solomon lived in. The indulgence that Solomon enjoyed. Those wives came at a cost. His children came at a cross. And the people of Israel are coming to Rehoboam and saying, enough, please, please, lighten the yoke, the burden that is upon our shoulders. That's the context. Secondly, then, the consideration. Rehoboam decides he needs some time to think this over. So when it's presented to him, He says to them, go away for three days and then come back to me. He doesn't necessarily know what to do. Or perhaps as we read through the passage, we already know what he wants to do. He's just buying some time. Maybe he doesn't think they'll actually come back. Maybe he thinks they'll just go away and he won't have to deal with their request. We don't know the reason. It's not told us why. But he sends them away for that three days. During that three days, Rehoboam consults the consul of Solomon's advisors. Now, who are these people? Well, these are people who served in Solomon's administration. If they served in Solomon's administration and are still now serving in Rehoboam's, it means they're old. It means they're aged. It means they've got gray hair, or white, as some of us prefer to call it. They're experienced. They've got their pulse pretty squarely upon the nation. They have a history with what has gone on and what has taken place. They understand what the request is all about. They understand the background. They, they understand that the question is a, lot just, is a lot deeper than just the question about taxes and labor. This is who he goes to. And he asks them. That's off. He asks them. Verse 6. He took counsel with the older men. How do you advise me to answer this people? What's your advice? And what are they told? What what answer is he given? In essence, it's this. Be Christ-like. In essence, it's this. Be like your ancestor Judah. The privilege you have of ruling and reigning as part of the tribe of Judah means that you have a responsibility, Rehoboam, 
to be like Judah. Be a servant. Use this as an opportunity to lighten the load. Yes, that means you will have less income. Yes, that means you will do without as much as your father. But your dad was wrong. The heavy load was too much. And look what he did with it. Look at the idolatry. Look at the disobedience of God's commands. You don't need what your father had because your father was using it for that which was disobedience to the Lord. Be Christ-like. Now, obviously they don't have Mark chapter 10 verse 42, but they do have Judah. And Judah is that picture for us back there. He's that picture. He's that foreshadowing of Christ. So we can say, what they're saying is, be Christ-like. Be the servant of the people. Don't seek to be served by them. Verse 8. But he abandoned the consul that the old men gave him. He abandoned it. He hasn't even heard yet what the young men have said. That, that's part of, I, I think, even in my own development of, of reading through this passage and studying it a number of times in Bible study. I think I've preached on it one time previous to this. It, the, that development of, you know, I, I always thought it, it was he got the old man's advice and then he got the young man's advice and then he made his decision. His mind's already made up. He abandoned it. I don't want that. It's not what I want to do. That's not where my heart is leading me. That's, that's not my desire. That's not my plan. My plan isn't to do with less. You guys are nuts. Now, let me find somebody who will agree with my position. Let me find somebody who I can ask, who's going to give me the answer I want to hear. Who are my yes men that I can go to? So where does he go? He goes to a consul of his peers. Notice that in verse 8. He abandons the consul of the old men and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. Grown up with him. They're not older than him. They're his age. They're his peer group. This is now who he goes to. And he asks them the same question. What do you think I should do? What do you think I should do? He's not asking it out of sincerity, out of a, I really want to know. I'm kind of confused here. We already know where he doesn't want to go. We already know he doesn't want to be a Christ-like king. We already know he doesn't want to be a Judah-like ruler. He abandoned that. And so he turns to these peers looking 
asking the same question. And what is the answer that they give? Tell them this. Well, let's look at it. Verse 10. The young men who had grown up with him said to him, Thus shall you speak to this people. My little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. Why are they making that comparison? Well, it's got nothing to do with his little finger. It's got nothing to do with his pinky. It's got everything to do with Solomon's sexual prowess. You thought my dad had a lot of wives? You thought my father had a lot of children? You haven't met me yet. In other words, if, if my dad taxed you because he had all these expenses for all these wives and all these children, <laughs> you haven't met me yet. I'm going to multiply that. I'm going to have more. And I'm going to have more children. So I'm going to need more taxes. I'm going to need more money. Lighten the load. That's what these young men tell him to say. That's what their advice is. Go out in front of them. Go out in front of the crowd and say, I'm more of a man than my dad was. That's why I need more taxes. Because I'm going to have more to support. Oh. Let me give you another comparison these young men say. My father scourged you with whips. Yeah, taskmasters. Taskmasters who are forcing them into work, forcing them into labor. I'm not just going to use a whip. I'm going to use a scorpion. Now to you and I, we're going, what are they going to do with it? Are they going to throw a bunch of insects into there? They're going to throw these creatures into there and they're going to run around. We're going to have a scorpion outbreak of some sort. No. A scorpion is a specialized whip with metal barbs at the end of the leather so that when it hit, it didn't just cut. It actually grabbed hold of the flesh and tore it. You get the picture. My father beat you one way into labor. I'm going to beat you another way. Does all of this kind of sound like we've sort of heard this before? Does any of this remind you back of Egypt? Any of this remind you of Pharaoh? Hey, let my people go. Let my people, let your people go. You got to be kidding. Now you got to make the bricks without them being supplied. Now you got to do your own brick making. Get back to work. And on their way, beat them a few times. That reminds us of Pharaoh. This is exactly what God warned them. This is exactly what God warned them was going to happen when they asked for a king. And they rejected the true king himself. This is what he's going to do to you. This is their advice. Go out there. Now why would they give that advice? 
Because you see, their pockets aren't lined yet. They're new at the job. Hey, there's money to be made at this. Oh, no, 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 no. let's not lighten things. So there's a personal self-interest for these young men who grew up with Rehoboam. Plus, there's always the case that sometimes your peer group doesn't always have your best interest in heart. Maybe they actually wanted to see Rehoboam overthrown. Maybe they actually were tired of this kid of Solomon who always had everything. Well, let's set him up for a fail. Let's set him up. Let's see him waste it all away. Let's see it be taken away. Maybe there was actually some personal hatred of Rehoboam in all of this. We don't know exactly why, but there are certainly reasons. Because we can apply that to today, can't we? Right? Young people, understand this. Your peer group is not your best advisory group. Because... One, they may have their own self-interest. Yeah, you go do that. And if you don't get in trouble for it, then maybe I'll try it. Right? That, that's, that's the old playground, dare you. Dare you. I dare you to do it. I dare you to do it. Yeah, let's see if that rope swing holds up to you. If it holds up to you, then I think I'm pretty safe. I could care less what happens to you. I just want to protect myself. Now let's see if you get caught. Let's see if you get in trouble. Let's see what happens to you before I put myself in that position. But sometimes you've got to understand your peer group, peer group just doesn't like you. They may say you're your friend and everything, but they may not like you. And they're just setting you up for the fall. They're just setting you up for it. But you know what? It's not only young people, right? Yeah, we've been thinking about not going to church twice on Sunday anymore. Well, let's go to an older, seasoned individual. You know what? I've never met an old person, older person, who regrets going to church morning and night all of their life. In fact, what they usually regret is, I feel so bad about that season in my life where I wasn't and all the opportunities I had to worship the Lord and I didn't do it. And Yeah, I thought so many other things were so important, and now I see all the consequences that have resulted from that in my family. Yeah, but that's not who we ask, is it? Hey, Frankie, you're out on your boat every Sunday afternoon. What do you think about going to church twice on Sunday? Well, I don't think we need to. Okay, confirmation, I don't have to go to church. See, we do this. We, we play this same game as Rehoboam. I use the example of worship, but we can use it in countless other fields, can't we? 
When you want advice, your peers don't always have the experience of looking over the course of history and going, listen, that's been tried once and it didn't work. It was horrible. It ended up in a mess. That's not the way to approach this. Or this isn't the way to approach this problem. This isn't the way to approach it. But you see, what we really want is we really just want somebody to give us the desire of our heart. Did you hear that in Deuteronomy 12? Yeah, don't do what you're doing here today, every man doing what's right in his own eyes. That's what Rehoboam's doing. He's just going to the young men to find some confirmation of what he wants to do in his own heart. This is the way he wants to go. This is the way he wants to be led. Do you realize and notice who's not talked about? The Lord. The Lord. So what happens? Verse 13. What does Rehoboam decide to do? And the king answered the people, hmm, harshly. The old men said, speak good words. He answered them harshly. Forsaking the counsel that the old men had given. And he speaks to them from the counsel of the young men. What happens? Well, that brings us to point three, the confrontation. This leads to a division. A split, verse 15, is caused. So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of affairs brought about by the word of the Lord that he might fulfill his word, which the Lord spoke by Ahijah the Shilonite to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. See, Previously, the Lord had told Jeroboam, who's the leader of this group that came to Rehoboam, he said that he was going to tear the kingdom away from Solomon because of his disobedience. And he was going to be given a portion of it. What's interesting is that as you read through this, neither Jeroboam nor Rehoboam is willing to listen to this. Jeroboam wants it all. He's not willing to settle for that which the Lord gives to him. Rehoboam doesn't want to relinquish it at all. Therefore, when Rehoboam came to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin, 180,000 chosen warriors to fight against the house of Israel, to restore the kingdom to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. Notice who he wants to restore it to, himself. This decision of following these peers, actually, this decision of following his own heart, his own devices, his own ways, leads to a split, a division. Oh, God's purpose is being served. 
But that doesn't take away Rehoboam's responsibilities. That doesn't take away Rehoboam's wrong, sinful decision-making process. He put himself first. There's no consulting the Lord in either one of these. It's a sad state of affairs that we find here. But then, there's this ray of hope at the end of the passage, isn't there? Rehoboam's getting ready for a civil war. He's going to force these ten tribes back into submission. He's going to rule them with that iron hand. Jeroboam, on the other hand, is seeking to do that which he wants to do. And we'll find out what that is this evening. But in the midst of this tension where neither wants to hear the word of the Lord, comes the word of the Lord. Rehoboam. Go home. Leave it. Don't go up against your brothers. Thus says the Lord, verse 22, you shall not go up or fight against your relatives, the people of Israel. Hmm. You know what's missing in 24? And Rehoboam commanded, go home. No. Here is the word of the Lord. And every man went to his home. The people heard the word of the Lord. And the people respond. Verse 24. So they listened To the word of the Lord. They listened. Rehoboam listened? No. But the people of God listened to the word of the Lord. They did that which God called them to do. They went home. Rather than engaging in this civil war. Rather than tearing this nation even further apart than it was. God comes and he says, go home. Just go home. Don't fight. Go home. And they listened to the word of the Lord. Who are you going to follow? Going to follow your own heart? Going to follow your own desires? Going to follow your own plans? Going to listen to the advice of your peers? Going to listen to those with age and experience, wisdom, history? Or better yet, are you going to listen to the word of the Lord? Let's pray. Father, may your spirit through your word made flesh speak to our minds, to our hearts, to each one of our lives that we might do 
that which you desire for us to do and live as you desire for us to live. That we too, Father, might live for your glory each and every day. And that we might enjoy the blessing of your lordship and kingship over us. In Christ's name, God's people say, Amen.